Welcome to the Airbyte Podcast. This is part three of three of the uh, UniApp story. Um, today, we're going to be wrapping things up. Um, and where did we leave off last time, Ross? Uh, we were discussing essentially our last kind of big pitch and last big push to try and get the university to adopt our app. And then, um, and then we thought, okay, maybe we should focus our efforts elsewhere and... And yeah, so that's that's kind of what we did for the next two years or so. Yeah, over those two years, we, um, I guess we we did a mixture of things. We we're still focusing on a couple of airbyte things, but myself and Ross were working elsewhere. Um, got some jobs in other places, and then, but yeah, I mean, we we're still launching internal products, and I think we we're still thinking about UniApp, but yeah, mm. not necessarily working towards it. So that that decision to to you know walk away from UniApp was that difficult uh yeah I, I think it was because it was effectively saying okay let's let's put it on the shelf here and let's leave it for you know for the foreseeable future we didn't know when we'd return um we d- we also knew that it wasn't so much walking away like it was still being used it was still in the university sphere um if university ever wanted to get in touch with us then they could not that they did but it it, it wasn't dead at that point um, we did have a couple of meetings every so often just to kind of <laughs> see where the university was at, particularly with their, we mentioned last time, their kind of strategy and um, how that was going. It wasn't really going anywhere, to be honest. Um, I think there was a couple of new launches, but they were pretty much just the same systems, just relaunched. Yeah. Yeah, so when when I kind of joined university, it was very much, you know, in full swing. The app, people were using it. Mm-hmm. And this was this was probably a year after you guys. Yeah. There. So so at that point there was no marketing spend or anything like that. We were very lucky that uh, the product itself was gaining a lot of traction even with new students because older students would just tell I don't know who but would tell the new students about it. Uh, lecturers I imagine did it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was still in full use. I mean, everyone we talk to now, even now, still still use the app and and things like that. So um, yeah. It was still alive in the sense that people still used it and were adopting it, especially yeah. freshers now. Yeah, yeah. It's like you were at the you're doing a talk the other day, Steve, and to to a bunch of students, and you kind of said, "Oh, we create UniApp, but none of you probably use it because because of the kind of technical state that it's in." And you, you kind of said, "Does anyone use it?" And loads of people put their hands up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's incredible, really. Still, I don't know how they use it still. Yeah, so that's one <laughs> of the things. So, so over that time the you know we're not maintaining the app i think we might have done one or two critical bug fixes um but we both agreed uh no more features nothing really until the university showed some form of commitment um but that did did mean that every year that went on the product was getting worse and worse the performance was getting worse um the integration started to fail or had to be replaced with with worse ones yeah i think during that time some of the university systems changed so yeah like ross says some features were becoming unusable or you had to do a workaround to use them um it it was just not it was becoming less and less user-friendly really right so so you had about a two-year uni app hiatus yeah yeah i think we 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 were focusing on other stuff uh so we built up airbyte into a company that was producing products for other people um and that was doing really well and so we were making 
kind of livelihoods out of that. So it was hard to kind of be distracted again by UniApp at that point um, until someone would come along and maybe inspire that. Yeah, and luckily, yeah, someone did. Uh, so whilst we were, uh, I think, one year into Airbyte, um, over the summer, we wanted to take on a couple of interns, um, mainly to push our own products and kind of in, inspire some of the shelf ideas that we had. Um, and one of those guys had quite a bit of passion towards Uniap because he used it in his first year <coughs> and a lot of his friends used it. And he just couldn't understand why, uh, I guess, well, the same situation as what we thought. I mean, he couldn't understand why the university weren't taking it seriously and um, wanting to push forward with the app. So we kind of spent the whole summer um, really building a, a whole portfolio around it. Loads of research were put into it. Um, and yeah, the, it kind of ramped back up again. So UNIAP at that point was... In full swing again, would you say? Were you, you know, was it a main focus of yours? I wouldn't say main focus in terms of our business. I think I put kind of a firm foot down to say we're not really building anything or doing much development work on this until the university shows some mm-hmm. interest at least. Um, and still to that point, we hadn't had that interest. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was just building up. I guess the, the research was around existing solutions whether there was something a competitor who's come into the market in the past two years um whatever universities are doing and whether we would potentially be able to introduce the app into uh, another market um or university that's not reading um so yeah it's kind of around that and kind of building your whole pitch deck and offering and things like that yeah so yeah we went down that kind of route again and we talked to different schools and tried to get all buying and everything and everything all over again really starting starting again uh because particularly in universities there seems to be a high influx or an out and churn of people that work in the same position whether they go to different departments or leave go to other universities but it does churn quite a lot so every two three years you have to kind of go through this cycle again um and so we started doing that and um our intern at the time was really passionate about that and was really spearheading it. Um, but ultimately, we kind of found ourselves in this very similar position where we were pitching, um, and you, you know, the university were looking, were sounding really positive, but there was still no commitment or no firm agreement. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same as what happened before, where uh, we pitched to certain people and they're really positive about it. Uh, they introduced to the next person, and we do the same thing again, pitch it. And it just worked its way up. Um, but yeah, we reached a point. We submitted a proposal and uh, things like that. And we were trying to work with the right people. But yeah, same situation. We just never really got anywhere. Didn't really hear back. Okay. So after the summer, at what point were, were you at? You know, we had the summer intern who, who left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for uni. And what point was uni up then? In um, terms of the sales process, yeah, the sales process was kind of in the university's hands at that stage. Um, I think we were uh, emailing every so often, every maybe every couple of weeks, asking kind of where where the situation is at. And most of the time, we got back saying, oh, "It's in this department. It's waiting on this person to get back to me. This person's away, so we're waiting on that person." Um, mm-hmm. So it's quite a long long cycle there until uh, about February uh, March time. Um, 
one of the guys there um, kind of emailed us and said, uh, yeah, do you want to join a chat? Um, it, it was kind of out of the blue a little bit. Do you want to chat about the like, Unia proposal that you've done? Um, so we had a call with this guy and um, this is the stage where they, like, like what I was mentioning back in 2013, um, they're looking at other solutions. Um, they're inclined to go towards a more off-the-shelf solution um, rather than working for with a company to make a bespoke thing for the university. I think they would prefer to have a bit more safety or reduce the risk factor of going with a, uh, a bespoke app being made and rather go off-the-shelf and use a solution that's been used by many universities, mm-hmm. um, which we thought was the wrong choice of course yeah it was it was a tough call as well especially as it was you know we kind of saw it as that last like push you know we we felt like we were close right yeah we felt like yeah go on yeah so it was a point where i i got involved a bit Mm -hmm. um and i was kind of speaking to people i knew at at the university and kind of trying to get those connections and you know, because it's all about uh, the right person to email, the right person to, to chat to on the phone. And that was really the struggle that we were having was that people were just passing it on all around all around the uni by, you know, that's how it kind of looked on our end. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when we finally got that call, and, you know, I scheduled it, sat down, chatted with him. It was, it was tough. Mm. Yeah, it was just a uh, same old story, really, from, from yeah. the university. It was... Um, out of the blue, no real warning. Everything was kind of positive, not negative up till then. Um, and then, yeah, you randomly just get told, oh, some, you know, this other person is looking at um, off-the-shelf solutions. You don't really fit into that criteria mm-hmm. because it's a bespoke app. Yeah, so I almost kind of probably felt the same way you guys felt, you know. Yeah, like so it's, it's just the same similar. cycle, right? Um, yeah, so then it's kind of like, okay. Uh, and, you know, we obviously fought our corner and tried to, reason and say well you know we're trying to trying to propose a good solution here it's not something that should be overlooked um but you know the powers that be decided that was probably not going to happen at mm. that point um and they, they they said there might be a chance and you can obviously talk to the person that you want to um but you need to look at kind of what your stance is and and how you may come across yeah and, and like i said we kind of had some backing from people within the uni and I'm sure sure you guys had that before and looking at it now it's kind of like they they didn't just they didn't say no completely if you see what I mean Mm -hmm. you know there's always they always leave that that bit of hope of course because you know they they don't want to say no because then they don't get their free app yeah so so it was kind of the decision of uh do we do we keep going yeah uh yeah so I I think I mentioned this but obviously as time went on the performance of the app and everything was was decaying so we needed to start thinking is that going against us if we were to compete with you know these big very big companies in these off-the-shelf solutions um that have been going around for a number of years since we started um reviewing app many years ago now uh if we want to compete with them whilst we've got an advantage because we've got like you know fifteen thousand people using it but we were also at a disadvantage in that probably a cohort of that um, are actually finding bugs and you know problems with the app and probably reporting errors to university, you know mistakenly. So there was this trade-off of do we yeah. 
you know, do we try and leverage it as an advantage or does it come across as a disadvantage yeah. for us? And in addition, it was, you know, part of the Airbyte portfolio, right? Of course, yeah. Being on the website is kind of a flagship product. Yeah, it is. But, you know, again, as time went on, we were, you know, less associated with that. Yeah. We found ourselves naturally, you know, regret getting older, getting grayer. And we are, yeah, moving away from that mm. part of our lives. And so mm. it's hard for us to relate to anyway. Yeah. We also thought... Um, It'd be a we would be in a pos- better position to approach university if it was a clean state, uh, like a clean slate. Uh, so, rather than having this app out there that's struggling, uh, not working as it should, and if we ever wanted to do another thing with the university, they'd immediately have that to look at as a comparison and say, ah, this looks bad. Why would we trust these guys to build the app again, or whatever we build again? Um, so yeah, I mean, if we wanted to go back to university and then it was, it, I think it was better for everyone if we just pulled it. Um, so it was probably a week after the call and we decided to just take it off the App Store. Um, so we took it up off the Apple App Store and Google Play. Um, and now it's, yeah, it's no longer on the App Stores. Yeah, it won't be till this, this new year uh, in October uh, that, yeah, it'll be the first time that UniApp hasn't been there for these new students. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, what you know, what, what the university does next um, and, you know, whether they accelerate the process because there's now going to be a need for it, whether they don't because they're too stuck in this slow process that is, you know, stifling their ability to innovate and to make students have a better experience. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so looking back on that, UniApp journey. Yeah. Do you have many reflections? Do you think about it much? And you know what what you could have done better. What what went wrong, but also what kind of went really well. Um, so you can start start on any of those ones. It's easier to talk about what went well. Obviously, um, it was it was definitely something I think we'd both do again. Yeah. We, yeah you know, nothing like that. Um. I think the opportunity, you know, airby kind of, you know, came around. It was only really a thing because we did that. Um, so, you know, this podcast wouldn't exist without it, for instance. Which is something we've all got to be thankful for. <laughs> um, and, you know, you know, great exposure into kind of industry. What went wrong? Don't bother selling to a university. Mm. It's probably the main thing. Um I wish we were older. Yeah. Age was a big thing or like the perception of age because people particularly at university assume that because of that you have little experience in building a product. Um even now when you know we're still considered probably too young. Um yeah. in that regard. Yeah, I think it it it, it gave us uh being a student at the time gave us a good foothold to approach people and talk about it with different departments and within the university because they gave us an ear because we're students yeah that's true but at the same time uh when there's financial or transactions going on uh it's very unlikely that they're going to take you seriously um if you've built this product and you want to sell it back to the university to change that opinion of you're a student you've made this to now be your business now you're going to charge for it i think there was a there's a huge problem there with how the approach was taken. Yeah. Um, 
and we're, we're not going to change our stance like we're not going to suddenly become a big corporate and off off the shelf solutions that's not really where we want to go that wasn't the business angle that we wanted to take i think we could have done that and we there's no reason why we, we couldn't but i just i think i'd cry when i went back home if i did that <laughs> i think as well um I can't remember who, but someone gave us a piece of advice many years ago of saying like you need to get someone older yeah. um, to like represent you in those type of situations. Like when you're, you know, with the two biggest stakeholders at university, um, that can make those financial decisions. In hindsight, probably would have been better to have forty plus someone in there that's experienced in handling those type of negotiations mm -hmm. and deals. Yeah. Um, and and alongside that, maybe it's just a thing of like what we do differently is maybe go go a bit more all in if we were that passionate about it and that committed to it um in terms of like maybe raising or finding funding in some way so that we could get those type of people and help and and you know grow a business out of it mm -hmm. that at least gave everything in terms of you know setting up a corporate structure mm -hmm. that can handle the slow university churn mm -hmm. slow university cycles um and kind of adopt that as part of the process but it doesn't really work when you're doing an agency style business where you have to work project to project and work yeah. quickly. I think the whole lean startup philosophy doesn't really work with universities. Absolutely, yeah. Um, no. And when you're trying to sell a solution, um, that's we were pitching to be incorporated within their team to keep uh, iterating on the product itself, releasing new features, all that stuff. That's what we pitched. And I think that was totally what universities don't want. Mm -hmm. They want a, a solution that they could buy. Everything's ready for them. They don't have to touch it in five years. It's still going to work. Um, but in the current state of tech, it's, that's completely wrong. It, yeah, and it would have been you know, a hu huge risk for us um, because we would have had to invest a lot of money uh, to get that set up mm. you know, in the hope that they would buy it. And it would be a big payoff. Um, but even you know the chance of failure knowing what i know now is probably quite mm. likely anyway so probably the better decision anyway not to do that yeah. so i have quite an interesting question okay for you would you consider uniapp a failure great question uh i would yeah i would um in terms of a product and and what we set out to achieve many years ago we wanted you know uniapp to be in a lot of different universities more than one at least and adopted by universities um in that regard we failed and it was just yeah um too hard for us to devote the time needed to get through that sales cycle i would think the opposite i would say success because <laughs> uh i don't think that was our mission when we first created the product oh that's a, that's a good point actually I think when we first that's created it point. we wanted to launch an app for students to use at the running university uh, and that's what we built. I forget that. I forget that just now. And a lot, a lot of time, that that was the initial goal, which we did do. Yeah. So do you think at a certain point you maybe got swayed? Absolutely, yeah. It? Yeah, I think, uh, but again, it was a natural thing. Like you're yeah. coming out of university, you're like, mm, okay, I start need to start making money now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it, was the, it was kind of a natural thing for the product that can only take you so long. And I think the one thing we did do, though, is always stay true to that. We always made sure that we were trying to provide, you know, something to to be proud of and that's something that the students can utilize and uh, find genuinely useful and make yeah. their students 
lives better. And yeah, and it, in terms of having students use it, I'd, I'd say it was massive success. You know, you had a high percentage of mm-hmm. of students on campus utilizing the product day in day out. Um, and it's quite a unique scenario in which this business, this product that was created, was needed buy-in from you know that that third party yeah. to be a success. Even though, you know, if you look at the usage, mm-hmm. the the users. Then, then you know a lot of people say, "Oh, this is this has got some traction. This is it's really cool." You know, how can we, how can we monetize this? But sure. the monetization that you guys opted for was eventually the, that resulted in a failure, right? Yeah. So, so, so maybe it's we built a good product, but not a great business. Yeah. So, what's next in terms of your relationships with the university as it stands? Because you know you've obviously got got your network there, and yep. you know your time working with UniApp you've you've met a lot of people yeah we've we've made so many connections within the university um that it offers so much more than just the app itself i mean we work heavily within the any business school and work alongside them with different doing different talks and internships placements um you name it we're, we're all there and we we do want to work towards something again uh to help improve some area of of the student life um and uh, yeah i think coming from a, a clean slate again hopefully this this time it'll be a bit more streamlined i think i don't think we'll put as much emphasis into trying to make it a priority in the business but um i think we'll, we'll just try and push again and, and make something that actually probably makes money from day one yeah i think it'll be something um that we can leverage our experience and you know we we can hopefully have a product that sells itself rather than us trying to sell it um whether that's in terms of value provided to university or um you know also hopefully provided to the students but just or you know monetary value that they can gain just something that's really tangible um rather than oh a great you know a better student experience so thanks for listening to that three-part series of the UniApp story i hope you enjoyed it a lot and we've got a lot more podcasts to come yeah thanks for listening uh, i hope it's useful uh, we'd learned huge amounts uh, over the time of launching the product so this is not to make it a negative opinion of launching a product and trying to sell to university it's just uh, what we learned and now it's your turn to do it um yeah if you want to reach out as well to talk about it feel free to email us at info at airbyte.uk and uh We'll be sure to get back in touch.